Welcome to the Being Human UTU podcast, where Dr. Randy Jasmine and Dr. Jim Hindigas will discuss issues relative to the humanities and technology at Utah Tech University. And now your hosts for Being Human UTU podcast, Dr. Randy Jasmine and Dr. Jim Hindigas. Welcome to the Being Human UT podcast. This is our fifth and final episode of our first season. And it coincides with the official beginning of Utah Tech University, which takes place July 1st, 2020. To open our episode, we have an interview with the president of soon-to-be Utah Tech University, Richard Biff Williams. We are very um, pleased to have with us as a guest, um, President Richard Biff Williams of Utah Tech University. And he's agreed to take some time out of his busy schedule to talk to us about Utah Tech University and the possibilities that exist. When, when we um, envisioned this podcast, President, on July 1st, it was almost like, at least I was thinking, Utah Tech was just going to magically appear on that day. All of a sudden, it was, <laughs> it was going to be something one day and something completely different the other day. And clearly, that's not what's been happening. For the last month and a half, um, and even before that, there's been a lot of work going on to, to um, make this campus um, Utah Tech University. And I just wanted to ask you about you know, some of the people who've been working behind the scenes and working really hard to make that happen. Yeah, and you know, I think we all hoped that you know you can push a button on July first and the boom, everything's rebranded. But it's just not the case. It's actually been, you know, a process that started in November when we received approval from the state legislature to be able to create a brand, um, create that logo, um, identify everything that has to be changed, and for us to, I mean, if we just focused in on the brand and the logo that we have right now. To get to turn that around and to have the buy-in we had with all our stakeholders in three or four months is just it's just miraculous. And so Dr. Jordan Sharp and his UMAC team, they just did a tremendous job um, at really navigating that, make sure that all faculty and staff and students and alumni and you know uh, our community members were really involved in that process. And then one of the things that we really focused on is what is it that the students want? And it was clear that they really didn't want to see any rebranding until after commencement, which is fair, which is which is good. But in the back of our minds, too, we knew that the, the new orientation for our, our incoming students was going to start in uh, early June. And so that created a little bit of a... Um, a time issue where, you know, do we wait till July, then they come in orientation and they're, we're welcome, welcoming them to Dixie State, but then when the fall, they come back to Utah Tech. So uh, we vetted it with uh, faculty, staff, students, and we decided that, you know, a week after commencement is when we would turn things around. And so when the logo and the brand was finalized, we had a, um, a committee that was put together of individuals from all across our campus. And the yeoman's work that this took, I mean, it, it's Dixie State University is on everything from if you just look at your email, if you look at Canvas, if you look, you know, the branding around campus, um, 
you know, we had a lot of individuals that had to uh, work really hard and looking at our IT folks and what they did from the bookstore and turning that around and, and uh, the, the large signs on our campus and what Jared Madsen has done to, to not only, you know, get those signs designed, but to get the best deal and to have uh, many sign companies on campus and then looking at facilities you know, the date that we identified, it was, it was really hot. And so they came in at uh, 12 or 1 a.m. <laughs> one morning so that they could get the banners up so they won't burn their hands. And so it's just been a great effort. It's been an effort all across our campus. Um, I think everybody's been touched by the branding efforts, but I think it's gone fairly quickly. Uh, you'll see continual uh, rebranding efforts throughout the entire summer. I mean, you can walk in campus and you can see, oh, that garbage can was missed or that was missed. And, and we'll have that. I mean, I ran into a, uh, it was a vase in, um, what was it? The Eccles that said DSC on it. <laughs> and we thought we had gotten everything for the DSU. And so, you know, I can't say, you know, I can't express my gratitude enough for everyone's patience and what they did and and just the yeoman's work to, to, to pull this off. It's, it's ongoing, but um, uh, it's exciting to see the transformation. Yeah, I think all of us are having those experiences. I was uh, preparing some of my fall classwork in the last couple of days and, you know, everything, I, I got everything changed and then my email address was still my Dixie State email address. <laughs> I was doing a lecture for an online class and I was like, and you have to take the final exam in the DSU testing center. And I was like, okay, I'm yeah. going to say that a couple of times. And just, <laughs> I'm a big baseball fan and I've enjoyed listening to the announcers deal with the Cleveland Guardians this year and how many times do they refer to them by their old name? Yes. You know, the Cleveland Guardians has been a, a stumbling point for some announcers, that's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, a lot of this podcast, we've sort of been thinking about what it looks like to evolve as professors through a university that has a now polytechnic focus. And and we both, I mean, sometimes I think, oh, I just got here yesterday. And then I realized this is year 12 for me. Um, yeah. I've been here longer than me. So we've really grown as, as academics and we've seen the academic environment grow here. What, what do you see from your standpoint? How do you think the academic environment will further grow at Utah Tech University? Well, I'll, I'll take it one step prior to that is I'm just very proud of what's happened to our academics, you know, under the leadership of Provost Corson and the deans and department chairs and the faculty um, to add 160 programs in seven years. I mean, that doesn't happen. I, I, I challenge people to find another university that has a faculty and an administration that can pull that off. It's just it's it's miraculous. I'm going to probably use that word a lot. But um, it's, it's, it's been fun to watch, as, as you mentioned, Jim, it's been fun to watch to see our academics evolve. And, um, you know, we're this summer uh, here in two weeks, we're going to have our first clinical doctorate that is going to be approved in occupational therapy by the, the state board. Um, that's an out of mission proposal, but they see the value of that. Um, I think as we look at um, improving our academics, you'll see 
a, a lot more master degree programs as we identify what are the, the needs of our area and our region that we serve. I think we'll see a lot of um, master degrees come up. And I've been really pleased with the methodology that we use, that we study it out. We make sure that there's a need and a demand and that it leads to a job that, you know, the legislature want to know that this is going to lead somewhere. And I think we've done a good job with that. I think Innovation Plaza with academics, um, a lot of our faculty have embraced, uh, embraced innovation and it doesn't have to be in technology or engineering. It's, it's all across our campus. It's in the arts, it's in education, it's in humanities and social sciences. There's innovation everywhere. And I think as we develop as a polytechnic, we have a unique experience to or a unique opportunity to say, you know, how are we going to make an, an overall academic impact to the world? And I think we're we're doing that. So I've been really pleased with um, the direction that we're going. I think that we're going to be need to add uh, more full-time faculty. I think that's extremely important. I think we're taxing our adjuncts. We love our adjuncts. <laughs> we love our instructors. But I think uh, the academic environment we're going to need to address uh, the shortages that we have in some academic disciplines and areas. And so I think you'll see that continuum involvement as we grow uh, staffing wise on the faculty side. Well, and when we talk about um, our jobs, we, we always have to remember that, I mean, we're here for the students and we're excited about and, and I think no matter how much we grow, I always keep hearing that we still have a strong teaching mission and that we're really focused in as much as our research will grow, we'll always be an institution that values teaching. And so how do you think the students will continue to be served? I'm sure this is a fun question for you to answer. Uh, <laughs> how, do you, how, do you, how do you see Utah Tech really serving these students? Well, our students, um, as we pull them and talk to them, and that's why students come here is because it's a student-friendly campus. It's faculty that are focusing on educating them. They're not caught up into their, their research or their community service. It's really, uh, you know, primarily about teaching and educating them. And I think we're doing a great job of serving these students. I think if we look at some of our initiatives with the active learning and the active life and what is happening with the innovation in the classroom, uh, what you're, we're, we're striving to do with the, the four and four award where, you know, these students come and, and, you know, we can cluster classes together, together and give them a certificate, then associate's degree, then an advanced certificate and allowing them the opportunity to have some value added for each year that they're at their institution. You know, I, I, I tease a lot of students that, yeah, I, I think a lot of you like to go home in the summer and be in a lifeguard and get a great tan. But what if you had a certificate where you could go home and actually work in your field at a certain level? That's the value that I think that we're going to add. I think what we're doing with Pluralsight and all the issue, all the certificates that we're exposing them to, I think Innovation Plaza, I'll probably talk about Innovation Plaza on every question, but um, giving them an opportunity to think and to be innovators and to have that interdisciplinary education where, you know, you can be an English major, but look what our master degree students are doing with the technical writing and digital rhetoric. They're solving in a, a problem for the technological sector, but they're in English. And I think 
seeing that um, interprofessional education. And um, I think students um, with our small class sizes, I think that's something we need to continue to, to strive for. Um, our internships and our externships and what we're trying to do there, that active learning component. Um, and we're trying to get better at our student service. Um, as we're growing as an institution, we're able to add more staff and to be able to serve them. I think that you know, with writing centers and tutoring and math and everything that we're trying to do to help the students and, and looking at our office of, of belonging. I mean, that's, that's helping our students. So I think, you know, as we move into the polytechnic model, it's a very unique education. We're going to be, you know, probably the only institution in the world that's really trying to conquer those four tenets of being an open, inclusive, comprehensive polytechnic. If we can do that, that's going to be really exciting. Thank you. Randy's got some more questions. I don't know where he's at. <laughs> um, well, this does connect to, to what you, you've been mentioning here and connects back to another theme that's emerged a little bit on this podcast. This is our, our fifth episode. And um, we did have, after his visit to campus, um, Scott Hartley on, and he um, elaborated on some of the things he talked about while he was here. And I know you attended his, his public lecture while, while he was here. And um, he talked about this idea of, you know, the disciplines being valuable, you know, all the disciplines being valuable and working together. And I'm just curious as to what are some of the kinds of, you know, collaborations that you think might be possible between faculty members and faculty and students in different disciplines in this um, environment here at Utah Tech? Well, the English example I gave, I, it's one of my favorite because it's really, uh, it's an English degree, but it's solving that tech problem. Another thing that I just saw, which really fascinated me, and I think the future of higher education is really interdisciplinary education. How can you stack these credentials? How can an individual leave with certain um, areas of expertise? But I was, um, uh, one of our dental hygiene professors, she has been working with a group of students for virtual reality in the dental hygiene world. And she had students come and present to me. And what was fascinating is you had a student that's running the group who was a business major. Then you had a um, dental hygiene student. Then you had a graphic art uh, major. Then you had an engineer. And I think we had a graphic design. And what they were doing is creating a virtual reality for these dental hygiene students where I put the goggles on. I had an absolute ball <laughs> with this technology that they created where I put it on and I was cleaning teeth. I was giving shots. I was, and they all collaborated together to create um, this new technology that will really reinvigorate the way that we educate students. And I'm hopeful that we're going to see that across all our disciplines where we are using each other's expertise to solve issues and to become better educators. And I think we're seeing that all across the institution. And I think that we'll start seeing master degrees that are, you know, that could be stacked. There's examples across the nation where somebody's becoming a physician assistant, they actually stay another year and they can have an MBA with that. So if they're getting the private sector, they know how to do that. Um, I think that, you know, looking at uh, English, which is important, you, you deciding with the tech side, I just think um, the opportunities are endless. 
And I have full faith in our faculty just seeing the creativity. And that one example of the dental hygiene and hearing the faculty member just glowing, exciting and creating. And this is the, you know, the future of pedagogy. And I'm sure there's going to be faculty from other disciplines that come over and say, can you help us create, you know, a virtual reality for X, Y and Z? And I, I just see this as an exciting opportunity for faculty and for students to be, you know, interconnected. Being in the healthcare field, we've been doing this for years, but now you're seeing it span across all, all different disciplines on our campus. Yeah, that, that's, that, that, it's, it's exciting. I mean, it's, it's exciting. I mean, to, to link what you said at the end of uh, the second question about the uniqueness of our mission and trying to fulfill you know, those four components um, connects directly into that type of innovative thinking that that allows faculty to really try to try to do that in ways that bring us together and you know get us outside of the you know the dreaded academic silos that tend to hamper um, academics you know yeah. when you when you don't get outside of it I think I think the opportunities are great um, this is maybe a little bit broader question but um, what do you think um, what do you see as some of the main contributions that Utah Tech is going to make to the academic landscape. If we have this unique mission, which we do, mm -hmm. um, what, what are the unique contributions that we can make to the larger academic landscape? You know, when we look at those four tenants, and if we can pull this off, if we can truly be an open university, an inclusive, a comprehensive polytechnic and pull those all in. I think that's the contribution that we're going to contribute to, you know, the better whole of academia. I'll give you an example. I had an individual that said, you know, I can't see the connection between being an open university and a polytechnic university. Polytechnics by their very nature are elitist institutions. They're, you know, you have the best of the best, the smartest of the smartest. And, you know, I want to challenge that. I don't think they have the best of the best or the smartest of smartest. I think they have those individuals that had opportunities in life to give them the circumstances to get into a Cal Poly or a Virginia Tech or a Texas Tech. But where we're open, can you imagine that the, the individual that had to support their family through high school or had certain circumstances where they couldn't devote everything to their studies, but have like a 32 on the ACT that are really brilliant kids that we're going to give them an opportunity to come here and become an engineer or become a teacher or come, you know, become an English major or we're giving them opportunities. And I think that's what's going to really set us apart is that anybody that sets foot in our door, we're going to help them be successful Depend, not even dependent upon their preparation. We're just going to give them a chance. And I think that's what higher education is, is let's give them a chance. And um, I love the fact that we're open. I love the fact that we're comprehensive, that we're not, you know, we identified the areas of the workforce shortages in this area, which, you know, were predominantly STEM and healthcare. But we also have recognized the fact that if you do not have a strong humanities and social sciences core, they're not going to be as successful um, in their profession as they could be with that. And so I think we have a unique opportunity to say, listen, we're not only a polytechnic, 
we're, we have a liberal education here that is just bar none. And I think if you look at some of the institutions like the Texas Tech and the Georgia Tech, they have great liberal arts. They have very strong liberal arts and humanities and social science. I think it's important for us. And I'm thrilled that we're actually building a humanities and social sciences building. Because I think that, you know, we have the human form center, we have the science engineering tech, and then what's the next building is our humanities and social science building, which I think triggers the, the notion that, you know, this is not just a technological university. This is a holistic university, a comprehensive university. And I think that in a decade's time, people are going to be coming to our, to our institution saying, how do you do both well? How are you meeting all four of these tenants? How are your students so successful? I think they're going to be coming here and saying, okay, teach us how to do what you've done. And it really goes back to that 160 programs. I mean, we have a very open and hardworking faculty. You know, people ask me, you know, from other institutions, oh, the faculty is so hard. Our faculty are great. I mean, I, you know, uh, they just want to teach. They love their students. They focus on their students to create this many programs for their students. Um, I think that we'll be able to capture all four of those tenants. We'll do it in a very short order. And then I think we're going to contribute contribute to academia in a way that just hasn't been done to show people that, you know, if you want to offer some high-end STEM, you don't have to get the best of the best on scores. You just need to give people opportunities and the best of the best are going to come to the top. If people knew my ACT score, boy, they would lose faith in who's running this institution. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, you know, so much of this podcast has been about the, the excitement of change, but also with excitement comes nerves, anxiety, trying to figure out what it is that how we are going to fit in. You know, it's 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 great to hear you know, throughout the the whole kind of season of this podcast. We we started with going, how are we going to fit in? And I, I feel like there's a lot of affirming voices that humanities and social sciences fit into this model what this university is and uh so it's been good it's just i think like everybody else everyone's trying to figure it out the excitement and the terror yeah and, and i think the I, it's warranted i mean sure you have a tech name um i get that but what you know i've told several faculty that have come up to me is you know i'm all for the liberal arts i'm all for supporting this but um even in the tech side I tell people, do not rely on me to chart our course. You're the experts. So, you know, what do we need to do in the liberal arts? Well, let's ask those that are in the liberal arts. What do we need to do in the humanity and social science? Let's ask them. Let's, let's give them an opportunity to run and to really build on this, to look what's done at other institutions, and let's do it better. And it's, it's really not myself or the provost sitting back and say, oh, we got this grand scheme and we're going to, you know, let's do this. It's really, if you look back at the program's, it's been driven by the faculty. And I think that's why it's been successful. I can't tell you how many presidents have told me that, you know, they can't do anything because of the faculty. That is baloney. I, I think you can't do anything because you haven't built a rapport with the faculty and you haven't trusted them. I think the faculty and the staff on our institution are our best assets. And you can look all across our, our, our campus 
and they're just running. And, you know, I know people are tired, but um, one thing that I've noticed in my career is if you slow down, you get outdated. And I went to Indiana State and just absolutely loved my experience when I was there. I mean, it was, you know, the father of athletic training was there. And then the McDavid, you know, the, the big sports um, equipment and medicine uh, company was um, founded in the garage of Dr. McDavid, who was a professor there. And then active ankle brace was, you know, an athletic training student that saw the Trey McDonald's and said, oh, this would be perfect. And, and he made his millions and gave it all to Ronald McDonald house and, I mean, it was all this momentum. And then when I went back as a dean and we were proposing programs, they told me that there hadn't been a single new program in 14 years. And that momentum and that excitement that was gone. And then it since has been restored. They're running. So I, I really learned that, you know, some of us must be tired, uh, but we've got to tap the other person and let them run while we catch our breath. And then we keep going. And I think our students feel that what I hear from our students coming on campus for a new orientation is there's a different feel here. There's momentum, there's excitement, people are friendly, the faculty talk to me, they're meeting me. Um, it, it's a special place. And uh, to be able to, you know, also have the legislature that we have in the state of Utah, um, we've doubled our budget in the last seven years. And uh, we're at 55% state supported. I think if you go across the nation and ask people, where are you at? They're in the low 20s. And um, I think that we have an opportunity to really capitalize on building this out because I think the funding has come and will continue to come. Yeah, that, that, is, that is all very, um, like you say, promising, exciting, a little bit scary, but you know, <laughs> the, future, the future is definitely bright. So um, thank you so much, President Williams, for joining us. Um, thank thank you. you for sharing uh, your vision and, and what you see happening. And thanks for all of your work um, on this. You know, we talked about the behind the scenes people. You were the right in the middle of the scene person who's really been working hard on this. And so want to make sure we thank you for that as well. And, you know, I know I'm certainly looking forward to to the future and, and what it holds being a professor at Utah Tech University. I am too. And I appreciate uh, you having me on the podcast. It's, uh, you know, I, I love my job. I love coming to work and it's because of people like you and, and our staff and our faculty here. It's, it's just a fun place to be. Jim, what are some of your main takeaways from the president's words there? Well, the, the way it ended, it worked out really well with one of my, the, the huge takeaway for me is I appreciate the optimism that we have and the possibilities that we have at this university moving in this direction. This whole season, when I reflect back on it, I think about the fact that I, I think I really, if I was honest with myself, I came into this podcast thinking I got a lot of fears. I have a lot of concerns. I, I don't know what this future looks like, but having an interview like this, there, there's sort of a leaving us with a sense of comfort of going, all right, this direction gives us a lot. This gives us a lot of opportunity. We're moving into an area where we, especially in the humanities and social sciences, are a necessary part of this plan, but also we, we get to be, in being a part of it, we get to be a, a contributor to a, a direction of this university. It, it is exciting. 
it is a, a a chance for us to do something new that I, I, we, we've said this before. At other institutions, they have their traditions established and they're just improving upon it. For us, we are are breaking new ground on a lot, which can be scary, but also really exciting. Uh, and it, it one of the huge challenges is maintaining that open, inclusive mission, which, I mean, that <laughs> can't be said enough how challenging that can be for a university to say, we want to get as many people here as possible, and we want to educate them with a quality experience. And it, it, it's, it's, it can be challenging. Yeah, I agree completely. And those, your sentiments kind of echo some of my takeaways. You know, we, we, we joked about the fact that there are going to be little straggling bits of Dixie State that stay behind. He talked about finding a garbage can that they hadn't changed and finding a, I think it was a, a Vase, right? A vase or something that had it. And and ironically, or maybe not ironically, but in conjunction with that, on my way home, I was in Arizona over the weekend, and on my way home, there's still a big um, billboard in Fredonia um, advertising Dixie State University. And, and uh, one of the people I was with was a colleague here, and she immediately got on the phone, uh, got on her phone and texted and said... Uh, said to Jordan Sharp, okay, I found one. We got to get that one changed. So that's going to be part of what we're doing. But at the same time, I agree with you, the potential that the president pointed out and the potential to do really good things, his positive attitude, I think, is is going to be important. And I think it is going to carry over to a lot of us who are faculty and staff. And, and that, uh, in, in turn, is going to carry over to the students as well. But you know, it's it's fitting that he brought up those four points of the mission because I think we've talked about those in every episode that we did this season. All five of our podcasts, we've talked about the fact that Utah Tech is an open, inclusive, comprehensive, polytechnic institution. And President Williams made it very clear that that has a tremendous amount of potential but it's also going to be pretty daunting. You know, he keep he said a couple of times, you know, if we pull it off, because it isn't going to be easy. It's not a done deal that we're going to be able to do that. And that's where we're going to need the innovation. That's where we're going to need the collaboration. That's where we're going to need that human-centered approach to technology that we've really been harping on throughout the first season of this podcast and I think those opportunities will lead to people stepping up and doing the kinds of things that maybe they hadn't thought that they were going to do earlier in their career, working with people they hadn't thought they were going to work with, whether it be across campus or just you know down the hall in the same department. And President Williams' words, I think, really kind of put that into perspective for me. And, you know, the nature of the change and the nature of the world that we live in, it's not this, hey, let's celebrate. It's more, hey, let's get to work. And I think that's the way this name change is being embraced by most of the people here on campus that I talk to about it. One, I, I, I think I've lived long enough to realize that I, I think the root of people's 
pessimism at their work, the people being discouraged at their work is the realizing that they might not be useful in the future. And I, I got a real sense in this podcast from, or this interview with President Williams that, that he wants to get a lot of people involved that, you know, he, he was definitely talking about some of the programs that we work with, which is great. You know, that helps us feel like we're useful. And, you know, that, that was a concern early on was that, you know, what, what areas are going to be not considered useful and what areas are considered really useful. And I wasn't getting the sense, and, I, and all along the way, I haven't got the sense that, all right, well, you're on the list of not useful and you're on the list of, of useful. It was more like, I, I think every, there's an encouragement that everybody can be useful in this, this whole direction of the school. And so that that helped me feel pretty good about this, even though you're right, it's going to be a daunting task. I, I'm encouraged. I look at President Williams, I look at the change that's happened at this university since since he has been in that that role. Uh, I'm just amazed that he's standing. <laughs> I mean, how exhausted he he but he seems like he's energetic. He's enthusiastic to to keep leading this university. and I think that sets a tone for all of us feeling like, all right. I, I, I was actually, I went to a meeting yesterday um, where a couple of vice presidents talked about the change. And, and, and I won't talk about a lot of details of the meeting, but in that meeting, um, Dr. Jordan Sharp talked about the fact that, you know, he's encouraging people to embrace this excitement that's around this new name. He talked about the idea that whenever they get a new shirt in or a new pair of glasses, there's this excitement of what are, where are we going next? And, and that struck me in the sense of where I'm at. I, I think if we do approach this from that perspective of what can I do now at Utah Tech University that maybe I either couldn't do or that it was, it was more challenging to do at Dixie State University, that's, I mean, that's a perspective change that will help me as a professor, as someone's working in programs, to be able to feel like I'm working at a place where I'm useful, as opposed to, well, I, you know, let's just make sure I do enough so that you know that I'm still here next year. Yeah, those are definitely um, attitudes that I think a lot of people hold. And you bring up perhaps the underrated challenge of this transition, and that is. You and I have discussed this um, off the mic as well, the wardrobe challenge, you know, over the <laughs> years, you know, you work at a place for 18 years like I have, you accumulate a lot of Dixie State clothing. And for me, the main item of clothing that I have that says Dixie State on it are polo shirts. And I'm a fan of the dress down Friday concept. And so when I teach my classes, the last day of the week of those classes, I tend to be a little bit more informal and I'm realizing how much I rely on those polos. So I am teaching a summer class this semester and I am going to wear my Utah Tech University polo and I'm going to be in the market to find some others because I know how students comment on students uh, professor's wardrobes. And if I were to wear the same polo shirt every Thursday of the summer semester, I think 
my students would notice and they would probably <laughs> comment on it somewhere on social media. So the wardrobe challenge is one that I've got to work through. <laughs> In this this meeting to talk about wardrobe challenges, it was with a bunch of people supervising other people, and they were at the at one point the conversation came up of budgets and do we have enough to fund? Um, in some areas on campus, it sounds like they're going to try and give you know their people in their areas um, you know enough for like every day of the week, which is amazing. I don't think everybody's going to be that lucky, <laughs> but it. It is sort of a challenge. One of the things that was brought up that I think was one of those glass shattering moments is that, you know, you, you and I have been here for a little while. You know, I didn't get a, um, a sh you know, I, actually I was looking through my closet the other day about how many shirts I had that say Dixie State or even Dixie College. And, you know, it was, it was a lot. It was a big pile. And somebody reminded one of the vice presidents, reminded everybody those shirts weren't accumulated in a day they were handed out at one football game they were handed out at another meeting it was purchased at this point and so it's going to be hard to recover that amount of shirts <laughs> that we have but uh yeah i i'm definitely clamoring I, I i'm shameless i walk around and oh you have a free t-shirt and so anything that says utah tech i grab just because i'm trying to spend as little as possible on my wardrobe or anything <laughs> Yep, we, we're all going to be facing that. And, and you're right, it, it is an accumulation over the years. Yeah, when I got here, it was Dixie State College of Utah. So I don't have any of the old just Dixie College, but Dixie State College of Utah, then it became Dixie State University, and now it's becoming Utah Tech. So third manifestation for me. I'm ready. I know I'm going to have to make a little bit of investment of my own money into this, but I'm ready to start building up that Utah Tech wardrobe. And the designs that I've seen on all the shirts that I've seen so far and, and, and the hats have been great. And the color scheme, you know, bringing back in the blue. When we made the change to, to Dixie State University, it really was just kind of white and red and the blue dropped out. So that potential is there. So, you know, this is a lighthearted consideration that we're talking about right now, but it is all part of that identity. It is all part of that, you know, what does it mean to be in this new place? What does it mean to have this um, new identity? And I'm going to be curious. I'm going to talk a lot to my students this summer and into the fall and, you know, ask them about that. You know, ask ones who are brand new, but even more importantly, ask ones who have been here for a little while, the ones who are here uh, under the old name and now under the new name. And does it mean something to you? Does it mean more than just what we've been complaining about for the last five or 10 minutes? We got to get a, a lot of new paraphernalia, <laughs> new shirts and hats and all those kinds of things. What does that really mean to you to be at Dixie, to, to have been at Dixie State and now you're at Utah Tech? So that's something that I'm curious to find out from the students. It It is. Uh, I am curious too. I I think if I can step out of my just natural human insecurities and just start looking at our experience as employees at this institution, you know, I, I, I am in some weird way grateful that we're constantly given an opportunity to reflect on our identities and our students have that too. And, you know, I, I, it, there's not a whole lot of institutions out there that you can do that. Uh, you know, I think the institutions that we've gone to and that we got our degrees from, the, they were not places that you necessarily 
had to keep reflecting upon the identity of the institution. It was just handed to you. It was sort of, here's the fight song and here's, here's the, here's what we do. This is what we do on Thursday. And this is what we do on Saturdays. And this is what we do. And, and, and sometimes you're sitting in meetings going where, all right, so we got to do something on Saturday. (laughs) And so there's a hope at some point that these will get established. And there is a part of me that it's hoping someday that, you know, I'm just kind of strolling around campus with a cane and somebody goes, oh yeah, this is what we do on Saturdays. And I'm like, I was in the meeting for that. But there, it, it is exciting if I tell myself it, that I get to think to my, uh, as an academic reflecting upon what I want to do with this place and then constantly reflecting upon how this place is getting shaped and I'm part of that. It, it's great, but we always go back to and a consistent theme is that there's just this, it's almost on a razor's edge between excitement and exhaustion and excitement and, you know, everything could go wrong really fast. And so, but I guess that's part of the thrill ride. <laughs> so you go on a roller coaster that's, it's that close to danger, but I, I, I'm, I'm grateful in the end when I look at this situation, but there is a part of me that says, I mean, somebody asked in that meeting, they said, is there any way that someone can sign something that says we won't change our name <laughs> for, <Wow>. uh, again? <laughs> and it was, it was something, it was a laugh, but I think there's something in that joke that says, okay, that's great. We've gone through all this change. Can we just stick with something for, for a while? Yeah, it does drive the the brand, mainly the branding and marketing people crazy when we make these changes so frequently. But I think pretty good arguments have been made as to why it's been done. But yes, building upon what you have, I think, is a concern that a lot of people at this point are entertaining and, and saying, let's let's stick with this. This kind of leads me into my next overall comment about the the string of five five podcasts that we were able to to complete this this year, and we're calling the, our season basically the academic year. So we had two in the fall semester, two in the spring semester, and then this fifth one in the summer. And all of our guests, going back to John Wolfe and including Scott Hartley and, and Joy McMurrin and, and President Williams, I really was heartened by the fact that there's this idea that the humanities and social science people need to do what they do. We need that. We need those voices as part of the conversation. And we need to bring those voices into a conversation with voices from other disciplines. There was no, well, you better learn how to code if you want to stick around as a humanities faculty member here on campus. You better learn how to, uh, you know, work with this advanced technology this idea of a human-centered approach to technology is going to call on everybody to use their expertise. Yes, it's going to call on people to, like I said a little bit earlier, work with people maybe they hadn't anticipated working with in the past, but work with them through your specialty, work with them through your area of expertise and allow them to do the same. And I think we're going to see good things happen if we can successfully do that. Absolutely. I, I feel this sense that that we need to dig deeper into who we are and our specialties and what makes us valuable on this campus as opposed to how do we need to change to adapt 
um, I, 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 I felt definitely through this whole series, I, I, I've more and more, I, I felt like, okay, great. Like now I can, I can really ground myself in my specialty because there's only one, there's only one Jim on this campus. There's only one Randy <laughs> on this campus and we, we can contribute as opposed to, well, I need to be like somebody else or I need to do something else. And, and that, that is also a recipe I think for, for satisfaction in, in institution is knowing that what you bring to the table is actually what they want as opposed to, we actually want you to do this and this and this instead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And, you know, hearing that from all the, the different voices that we heard that from, I think is, is great. Are there any other reflections that you have about this first season of the podcast, whether they be thematic or technical or just things that are in your mind as you think back on these five programs that we put together this semester, this, excuse me, this year? No, 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 I, no. I do, I do. <laughs> once, once they were in the can. You no, know. That's it. They're over. I just, I completely, I, I blanked. I was like, what did we, did we interview Scott Hartley? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, uh, I've said this a, a few times and I, is I appreciate this as another learning experience. I, I knew this was going to happen going into this and it has happened. I speak a little slower in class. <laughs> I try to say, um, just a little bit less, but when I get excited, it's just the ums are going to come. It, the performance aspect, the fact that we can look back at episode one and I don't even really want to listen to it, <laughs> but just the awkwardness of it because it was new and just slowly getting more comfortable. It, that's what I love. It's almost like re-experiencing a teaching moment. I, I vividly remember the first time I sat or I was in front of a, a class and I was trembling and I dropped things and it was very uncomfortable and I was really nervous. And then it got more comfortable as time went on. And that this is the same experience. I, f I feel like, and in fact, I sometimes relive it when we have a new guest is if we have a new guest that isn't familiar with podcasts, you know, they might be a little nervous and I'm like, oh yeah, that's how it is being, having a mic in front of me and, and having talking points. But it, it's become more, so just the experience of it is something I've personally enjoyed. And I think this is a good forum to talk about this really important subject. And I'm excited to have, we already have, we won't talk about it, but we already even have people booked for our next season. We're that big. We are. We definitely are. So, you know, it's... It's, it's amazing how quickly, how, how far it's gone in just a short period of time, definitely. It, it, this has been good. I, I, for me, it was a degree of therapy because I brought my insecurities, my thoughts, my concerns to the table with this subject. And, and it helped clarify some points for me. And I hope that we, it'll help clarify people for this listening to, to this podcast is that you know, this is a tough subject. The changing landscape of higher education is, is tough. And I never, I remember as a, an early graduate student looking at, you know, those older professors and thinking, oh, you know, like back in the, their days, you know, they, they were smoking pipes in their classrooms <laughs> and they were doing all this and like, but that was the olden days. And now I, I, I'm starting to get to the point where I am concerned about, 
okay, like I'm going to be that, that dinosaur, that, <laughs> that older professor that doesn't know how to fit into that changing landscape. But n- now this is sort of reinvigorated of, I, I think it's almost equal to playing field. It's either you're in or you're out. It's either you're considering like, maybe this is a chance for me to, to say, I, I, you know, I, this might be retirement time or you're moving into this new direction of the, the school. And, and I don't, I was concerned about being lost, but now I don't think I'm as lost anymore. And so it's, it's been good. It's my selfish reflections. <laughs> well, well, that's, you know, you know your own mind the best and the experiences that you had are, are important. Yeah, I, I think that this podcast has helped to frame the concerns, but also, like we keep saying, the future plans that that I have, both inside the classroom and outside the classroom, and and that's been a a real benefit to me. And I've learned a lot from all of the guests that we've had on the show, and that's been a really important part of it as well. I think that, yeah, we bring in speakers or speakers, we bring in guests to talk to our audience, but they're also talking to us. and, And I think that getting that personal conversation and hearing directly from the folks that we had on the program has has just been great. And we want to, like you say, continue to do that. So we're starting to already think about people for next season, um, for our next batch of, of podcasts, and hopefully do it better. Hopefully make the product that we're putting out there even better. Yes, talk more sm- slowly. Yes, fewer ums. But also, you know, how important it is to ask relevant questions to the guests that we have and, and uh, like I say, hear what they have to say. That's kind of what I'm thinking about as I'm, I'm thinking about another season of, of doing this podcast. And, you know, I think today we were maybe more guilty of a tangent when we started talking about our wardrobe, but I felt like, well, you know, it's a day that we can, you know, go a little crazy because it's a big day. It's, it's, it's a day that's not, like we said, hopefully not going to come around again for a very long time. You know, the first day of Utah Tech University. But uh, again, I think we've stayed on target and we've stayed on message pretty well throughout the course of this season. And I hope that we've provided our listeners with some valuable insights and things that they can think about as well. Absolutely. I, I, I was talking to a student the other day uh, and I just kind of had this reflection about what we do, what, what I, in teaching writing is that, you know, we begin talking to each other before we start writing things down. And so it's, it's this whole consistent experience of, learning something and then fixing how we do it. And even this whole podcast experience, you're right. I mean, getting the skills to be able to talk to another human being while it's being recorded is that's a skill. But I, I, just like you said, I mean, I'm hoping our experiences is something that other people are experiencing too. And that our questions are questions that other people have had and that it could be something that people are can learn alongside it with us. Definitely. Definitely. Well, um, I want to close this season with a shameless plug. 
starting in the fall, I will be the coordinator of the Utah Tech Humanity Center. And that Humanity Center is going to be a center that's going to um, focus on and um, spotlight those of us working in the humanities and the social sciences. It's not going to be specifically a, 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 a digital humanities or a technological humanities center, though that should be a very big part of what it is that we do. But we're going to bring in speakers. We're going to host workshops. We're going to potentially offer mini grants to faculty to encourage them to participate in collaborative efforts with their colleagues and just really do what we can to put us a brightest spotlight on the humanities and social sciences as we possibly can. And Dr. Stephen Lee, in, uh, the, the dean of the College of Humanities and Social Sciences, has been the one who has um, not only asked me to serve in this position, but, but funded this center um, and really has a vision of reaching out to the community via the 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 via the disciplines of humanities and social sciences. So right off the bat in the fall, we are going to have a grant writing workshop for faculty, um, and we are going to have an opening social event, um, which we can announce on later podcasts. And we're going, we're already, uh, like we've talked about with our podcast, we are already lining up speakers to come and speak. And we also want to get other professionals in here, perhaps writers who can teach a class, you know, professional writers who can teach a, a, a one, uh, one class session of a, of a writing class and kind of get some information to our students about the realities and practicalities of getting a degree in the humanities, or if not getting a degree in the humanities, certainly getting a good job because you're a good writer, those sorts of things. So we're hoping that's going to be um, successful. We don't currently have a physical location. So if you're looking for the Utah Tech Humanity Center, it's my office right now. It's Holland Centennial Commons and Library 418. But again, as more information becomes available, we will get it out on future podcast episodes. So we are going to sign off. This is the end of our first season we appreciate all of you who've listened. Please encourage others to listen. Um, and we're excited about the launch of our second season of the Being Human UT podcast. So, Jim, I will. I look forward to continuing this next year. Absolutely. This has been the Being Human UTU podcast with Dr. Randy Jasmine and Dr. Jim Hindigas. Please follow and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. From Utah Tech University, this is the Being Human UTU Podcast.